0: Hey, Welcome in to the Stinky Truth Podcast. Uh, alongside uh, Mike Evans, I am Mark Schlerth, Millennial Been, producing the show. I'd like to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, bet with Bet
1: Rivers. Download the app. Check them out at betrivers.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. A uh, lot of fun. NFL trade deadline, the busiest trade deadline in trade deadline history, as a whopping 10 deals went down. I know the other leagues look at that and go, psh. Come on, that's a Tuesday, right, a regular yeah. week for us. But it was significant in the NFL. Some big deals went down. Um, the, the big one that we dealt with here in Denver, Bradley Chubb dealt to the Miami Dolphins, and then the Dolphins turned right around, signed him to a five-year, $120 million contract with $63 million of it guaranteed.
0: Which is crazy, right? And that's exactly what the Broncos weren't going to do. They weren't going to—and, and, you know, I understand their, the, the principle behind it— um, You know, he's been injured. He's had multiple ACL injuries, you know, back to college, dating back to college. Uh, He's been, I think he's played like 26 games and he's missed 24 or something of that nature here in Denver over the course of four seasons. Uh, Is it four seasons or five seasons? Five seasons? This is his fifth season. Yeah, this is his fifth season. So, listen, I understand that they weren't going to pay him. They just were not going to, they weren't going to be in that mode. So they knew he was going to leave next year anyhow. And so, you know, the compensatory pick for that is like a third-rounder. So they got themselves a first-rounder. They got Chase Edmonds, who's a really good back. And the Miami Dolphins get a pass rusher that they covet. And he's a good football player. I, I will tell you this, though, Mike. Like, this is how, as an offense, you go into a game. We used to call dudes that were just like the Aaron Donalds of the world, the guys that the Von Millers of the world, you know, the, the Khalil Max of the world, whatever. You know, put any one of the great pass rushers or the great players in today's game in that category. We used to call them war daddies. And you had to have a plan for a war daddy. And how are you going to double team that guy? And, and, you know, the whole principle of the thing was we can't afford to single block that dude ever. Right? You just can't. Derek Thomases of the world, you know guys that were just—I mean, a, a John Randall. I'm mean, going on, on Warren Sapp. How are you going to how are you going to deal with these guys? And so you had to have a plan. How are we going to get help for our tackles? How are we going to get help for our guards? How are we going to get help for those people? So you had to slide to him or chip with a back or you know line up a tight end over there and keep that tight end in so the only thing he does is you know check flat or whatever. If he's going to get out on the route, but he has to block first, thousand one, thousand two, bam, releasing your route, be a check down. So that's how you have to deal with that. I will tell you that Bradley Chubb is not that guy. He's a really good player, a really good player. But he ain't one of those dudes that one of them Gumby dudes that can turn a corner and, you know, be like, it's like Matrix. You know, they're like, they're literally turning corners on their ankles, running a tight hoop you know you have that matrix what's that matrix music i don't even know the matrix music do you know the matrix?
1: <laughs> whatever it is You're right I'm identical not, identical I, but he ain't, he ain't that dude so he, then what the dolphins overpaid desperation dumb how, how would you classify this move from the Dolphins
0: standpoint it, then it felt it feels like a it feels to me like a typical um Free agent contract, like you paid, you paid a player you traded for a free agent contract. Now I don't know the ins and outs of the contract. I don't know how much funny money there is. Well,
1: sixty-three million guaranteed.
0: Sixty-three million guarantees. That's a uh, congratulations, Bradley Chubb. And like I've said, like this sounds like a bashing of Bradley Chubb. It's not. Bradley Chubb is a really good football player, really good, and he's good in the run, and he's and he's unrelenting. I mean, he does not he does not shy away. He's a bigger dude. Right, he's a bigger, thicker guy, and all I'm saying is he is not in my in my mind. He's not one of them gelatinous dudes, you know. That just like you just never get a hit on, and they're always around the quarterback. He's power. Um, He doesn't have the 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 greatest turn the corner speed, but he's really good. And he's got five and a half sacks. He's got like eight quarterback pressures. Like he's had a really fine season. And with that offense, they
1: should be. Playing with the lead a lot. I think I
0: think their top pass rusher Mike has like three and a half sacks. Right.
1: So he'll get a chance to, to, you know, just pin his ears back and go after quarterbacks in the fourth quarter. In theory. In In, theory. In
0: theory, that is you are correct on that. So I I think it's you know, I think if there was I think based upon the fact that the Broncos didn't want to trade if we're grading it out, you know, it's a it's one of those one of those grade out things where I think both teams got exactly what they wanted the broncos really like some of their young players and those guys weren't going to play very much with 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 him here cuz he's a good player i i told you and the and the dolphins feel like they got a core piece to you know to the potential to you know chase the bills in that
1: division the nfc north you see Uh, A division that's somewhat up for grabs. It feels like it's up for grabs. The, The Vikings are playing the best right now. They go out. They trade within the division with Detroit for TJ Hawkinson. So they upgrade a tight end. And the Bears go get a pass target for Justin Fields by getting Chase Claypool from Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, Green Bay does nothing. And Aaron Rodgers is forced to come out. How many times have we heard this? Basically just say, well, we'll win with what we've got. But he's got to be fuming, right? Fuming. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, it, it was. it's interesting because I'm prepping a game. You know, I'm prepping. I've got Washington, the Commanders, um, as the Vikings head over to the Commanders. And so I was really digging into that Packer tape from uh, a couple of weeks ago when they played Washington and lost to Washington. Mm-hmm. I think Washington scored 20 straight points, 20 unanswered points to win that game. Um the Green Bay Packers did not convert a third down. They were 4
1: Were they? Okay. In that game. I, I wasn't aware of that. Okay. Over.
0: and Yikes. I'm telling you, drops, like guys that are just completely covered. And there's almost this, this there's almost this attitude with Ro- with Rodgers is he just back there and he's slinging, you know, and there's this, like this, He's so so many different platforms, and you know, and that's how Rogers is, right? And everything's falling to the ground, everything, and every one of those passes underneath it are contested, like they're just contested. And I like he probably had like four or five legit drops in that game. And you could just see the disgust on his face. <laughs> like, you could just see. I mean, it radiates off film. There's certain things when you watch film. Like when you watch coaches tape and you watch, you know, the game broadcast, and stuff, there's certain things that just resonate with you, right? And you can see the passion of a guy. You can see the disgust. You can just see, you can, and you can feel it as a team. Like, dude, there is a different energy on tape. I'm not, I'm, and I'm not, this is not hyperbole. There's a different energy on tape because Tyler, or Taylor Heineke is playing quarterback as opposed to Carson Wentz. Like, hey man, love Carson Wentz, but there's a certain Eeyore there's a certain Eor vibe or aura on tape when he's in there compared to Heineke. They love Heineke, and the connection that he and Terry McLaurin have is real. I mean that that, that is real. You can it's palpable. You can feel it on tape, right? And the disgust that Aaron Rodgers feels towards his team. Remember now, he had the best third down connection ever. And and this is straight from Rodgers when I had a meeting with him a couple seasons ago. First and second down, the scheme takes me where it takes me. That's what I'm doing. Third down's about matchups. Third down's my guys getting the ball. He's smart, like he is like a quarterback on the football. Devontae field. Adams. Devontae Adams. Yeah. He's getting the ball. He is getting the ball. Dude, there's no, there's nobody to turn to. And you, I mean, uh, well, the great Andre Reed. I am pissed to the highest level of pistivity, You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you could just see he is fuming under his helmet. Uh, it's, well, that was
1: kind of like what we we saw, what and have seen from Brady. Uh, in in the tail end of his days in New England, yeah. Uh, now at at times with Tampa, these these great quarterbacks, these veteran quarterbacks who are used to it a certain way, man, they do not suffer fools. No, they will totally wear their emotions on their sleeve. Is is that healthy for a football team? Is it is it like hey, you know, our guy who's a, a, a first ballot Hall of Famer is is pissed with you guys? Pick it up, or is it on Rodgers or Brady to kind of chill out a little bit and try to be a little bit more supportive?
0: Well, how did that? How did the chill out and be more supportive work for uh, for Matt Ryan this year? He got r- him got him benched. Yeah, he's riding the he's riding the pie. I don't know, man. I like it. I'm a responsibility guy. I grew up in a day and age in this with with you don't do your job, you don't get to play. We don't, we don't, you know, get to miss four blocks in a row and still get to play. You know, it reminds me of uh, my son playing for Jim Leland. Like, so my son would up trotting out of the bullpen in seventh inning, you know, in a tight game against Cleveland, and he'd hand him the ball and say, hey, uh, you walk somebody, I'm sending you to the minors tomorrow. And he just leave. That's that's what he would like. Not like hey man, go get you, you got this, right? <laughs> we got faith in you. You go, you walk a guy. You're going to the minors, right? That, I mean, that's how we all. That's how all of us grew up in sports, right? So you're just like, all right, set my jaw. Here it go, yo. Here it goes. Um, you know, I I like hey, if you can't handle it, then you're not in the right business. And if you can't make plays, let's, That's what you get paid for. Um, you know, one of the ones I'm really interested in though, Mike, is T.J. Hawkinson. And how he translates into Minnesota's offense. Because let me just tell you about what their tight ends do. So, this is one of the things I love about Kevin O'Connell. And everybody looks at these, you know, young gun kind of coaches off the Shanahan tree. You know, Kevin O'Connell worked in Washington with Kirk Cousins, as did, you know, as did everybody else in their brother's uncle, right? Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur and, and on and on it goes off these coaching trees, right? Mike McDaniels was there at the time. I mean, it's, it's a Kyle Shanahan. It's a who's who, right? So O'Connell worked there as well as offensive coordinator under Jay Gruden, though. He was under Jay Gruden, but he worked with with Kirk Cousins. One of the things I love about him is, is I think people don't understand, like whether it's McVay or what, the guys off this tree. McVay is a run-the-ball-first guy out of three wides, disguise it, make it look like spread, but we want to cram it down your throat. And so is Kevin O'Connell. That's what Kevin O'Connell does. And what I'll tell you about Kevin is – he is about protection first. And I don't know where the Minnesota Vikings are as far as sacks giving up uh, across the board, but they're really good about saying, hey, man, we're going to protect our offensive line. We're going to run the ball. We're going to do those things. Um, but our tight ends are really check, 1,001, 1,002, release, right? So most of the time, the routes the tight ends get, like Irv Smith and those guys, unless you're down by the goal line, the routes you get are check, block, 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 Boom, release to the flat. And I'm just a check down. I'm, I'm out there in the flat. And, you know, and with the propensity of people play quarters, you know, if you run somebody deep on that side, there's no real corner. No, the flat defender has to come from from inside the formation. So it's an automatic, you know, five or six yards usually if they throw the check down. But that's what you're getting. You're getting, you know, hey, four catches. I, I had, you know, 22 yards on four catches. Like that's the, the stat line at the end of the day. that's T.J. Hawkinson's a different cat, right? And so I'm just really interested to see how this offense kind of turns a corner or if it turns a corner and if T.J. Hawkinson is asked to run the middle of the field because my idea of what a great tight end does as a pass receiver is he eats up people in the middle of the field, right? He eats. He eats in there. Man, he eats up your underneath coverage. He eats up your over-the-top safeties. It opens up your one-on-ones outside. Will they use him
1: that way? And that remains to be seen. During the course of, of that answer, you, you referenced something else a couple of times. I give you grief, good natured grief about your uh over emphasis on offensive line play. But boy, I'm watching the Bengals and the Rams. Uh two teams in the Super Bowl last year, a combined seven and eight thus far this season. Bengals four and four, Rams three and four. And Sean McVay and Zach Taylor didn't forget how to coach. Right. Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford didn't forget how to play quarterback. Uh it's it's all offensive line play with those two. I'm watching I mean, we're watching the Bengals and the Browns last oh, yeah, Monday they, night. And I mean, that was a complete ass whipping.
0: Yeah, you can't. You can't. Well, first off, Miles Garrett is not from this planet. Yeah. Let me just let me just put that out there. So I'm doing this event, uh, this O line masters event out in Dallas this summer, right? And there's a bunch of people that work out, there's a bunch of guys, NFL guys, that that live in Dallas in the off-season, they train at this performance center where this whole event was taking place. And that dude is working out, and he is every bit of whatever he is, six foot five, probably 290, maybe 295. I mean, ripped, like six, like you could wash clothes on his tum tum, right? (laughs) Like ginormous arms and chest and legs. I mean, he is, he may be the perfect human specimen. I'm not kidding you. Like to the point where you're like, like, wow. Like you are you're like, like you're taking a mental snapshot going, I just wanna I just want to be able to reference that every now and again. Why does like, this
1: guy wear clothes? Yeah.
0: I I was like he's walking around with everywhere without a shirt on. and I'm like, you know what? If I look like that, I would never have a shirt on. <laughs> what it's 12 degrees out? You know, of course I'm shirtless. I'm just shoveling my driveway. We had a big snow here, right? I mean, there would be a, a parade of housewives who were you know, driving in the I just want to go for a drive in the snow. I just want to go for a drive. I'm in the snow, honey. I'll be back. Like, d- the dude is a freak show. But you're 100% right. You know, I. it's funny you mention it because I'm having a conversation with Kevin O'Connell. This is a couple weeks ago. Um, and we were just talking about the importance of, you know, of, of offensive line and really understanding those guys' problems. Like, I did a game in Arizona. I did an Arizona game. Let me just first tell you the Kevin O'Connell thing, right? Um, and then I'll tell you why Arizona will never win. Okay, these are two, they, this, so take this for what it's worth, okay? So the Kevin O'Connell thing goes, you know, I'm watching the Rams just get absolutely dismantled a couple of weeks ago by San Francisco. Dismantled. And he goes, I'm looking at their offensive line. Four of the five guys playing the Niners on, I think it was a Monday night game, four of the five offensive linemen were running our scout team preparing for the Super Bowl last year. They were our scout team players. And all those guys are starting now. Why? Well, you spent a lot of money on other people, right? You gave everybody else a contract. You gave Matthew Stafford a contract. You gave Cooper Cup a contract. You gave Aaron Donald a contract. You gave you know you gave Jalen Ramsey a contract. You gave oh oh and, and where were you gonna where were you gonna recoup some of your dollars? We're gonna play you know we're gonna play a you know we're gonna play the the seven dwarves up front, right? Larry Moe and Curly. Well, I'm mixing metaphors, but you understand what I'm talking about. And they are getting their asses whooped. Whooped. Everybody said, well, the Odell Beckham. I, I got this all the time. Odell Beckham is going to come back and save the Rams. Really? When you put on 90 pounds and play tackle? Is that what he's going to do? Because until they can block somebody, you could. I don't care who. You could put Stretch Armstrong out there. They ain't winning. Sorry. And this goes to my Arizona rant. Now that I'm on a rant, I'm um, now that I'm ranting, in my Arizona rant. I'd like to put Cliff Kingsbury in a pair of shoulder pads and helmet and have him go out there and have him defend a, a pass rusher. Any one of their pass rushers, you'll put anybody on. Let's put, just put JJ Watt on him and whip his ass 44 times in a row so he has some empathy for the way he coaches. If I played there, we'd fight. We would literally fight. I mean, you've got three offensive linemen down. Three of them. And your answer is to throw it 44 times against the Minnesota Vikings. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. You've got so much talent on offense that you'll keep games close. Because you've got Hopkins and you've got... When the the kid Moore out of Purdue is a really good player and and you got you just went out and got Robbie Anderson and you got Ertz, and you got you know a third rounder in McBride and you've got like you've got all this all like it's amazing you're playing fantasy football you're operating a fantasy football team. And like I said, they've got enough of you that, oh, Kyler Murray, and he can run around, and this, that, and the other, and, and James Conner, and I know he's injured right now, but you You know, it, you, you are playing fantasy football. You're not playing reality football. You're a fantasy football team. That's what you are. And you will never, because here's the thing about fantasy football. Fantasy football is played by people who don't have anything invested they don't have to put on helmets, they don't have to put on shoulder pads, they don't have to block people, they don't have to do anything. They're not invested. It, hell, you and I can play fantasy football. Right? This is reality football, and the reality is you suck. Because you 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 have you don't mitigate. Here's the here's the issue. Good coaches mitigate potential disasters. All right? You have three off starting offensive linemen down, that's a potential disaster. You find a way to run the ball. You find a way to protect those guys. You don't drop back 44 times. And it's a one-score game. So everybody's, hey, and you had the ball at the end. You had a chance to win. My ass. You ain't winning
1: anything. You're not winning anything. Great rant. Uh now I'll get you talking about something that'll put a, a big smile on your face, and that is the San Francisco 49ers. Looks like Christian McCaffrey's oh. gonna fit in just fine. Yeah. In his second game, he runs for a touchdown. Catches a touchdown, throws a touchdown.
0: Yeah, he is. Uh, he's phenomenal, and like Kyle Shanahan, and, and just the way he designs things, like they're gonna be. That's gonna be a huge bonus for the Niners. Now, here is the one thing about the Niners that that here is my one fear for the Niners. When the Niners are in a tight game or have the lead, the Niners are are exceptionally well. Have you seen have you seen the stat that was floating around a couple of weeks ago about how the Niners in like a, I think it's like a one score game in the fourth quarter haven't haven't come back and won any one score get in the fourth quarter? I mean it's like it's like and 26 or something I mean it was a, it's a crazy I, and I can't remember it uh, and'm I'm, I'm probably butchering it, but it was one of those you look at it and you go, that cannot be real. One of those things. It's cannot that can't be real. The the issue that they get into, Mike, is they're a great front running team. They're a great design, and I don't and I don't mean that as a derogatory term. Normally, front runner teams to me are like the Raiders. They're, they're front runners. You know, they're they're only good when they're good, and when things get tough, they just fold up their tents and and pack up and wait for next weekend. We'll get them next weekend. You know, that's not what I'm referring to as a front running team. I'm I'm saying they're like the they're built very much like the. Uh, like the Ravens. When the Ravens have the lead, they play with this aggressive style, they play with that run game, they get tons of one-on-one matchups because they run the ball so well, you got to put an eighth guy in the box at all times, so you get the one-on-ones on the outside, and it's really easy for the quarterback to operate that way. And... You know, they have receivers that are really good underneath and doing all those things, you know, or getting the one-on-one matchups. Like the Niners, to me, have a bunch of receivers that catch the ball for four yards and then end up getting 28-yard explosives because they break two tackles, you know. They don't have one of those big-time route-running guys that just eat people up. They just eat up cushion, and they put DBs on their heels, and they don't have that guy. So without that guy, you've got to rely on your offense— and the structure of your offense for explosives, meaning I've got to keep running it, I've got to keep setting up my play action, I've got to keep, uh, I've got to keep the illusion of of this, and and creating. It's like a great pitch, uh, like a great pitcher who's. Did you see the McCullers thing where he's tipping his pitches right, and everybody said, "Hey man, when his leg only comes halfway up, that's a off speed, and when his leg comes all the way up, he's throwing." That's see, that is that to me is trying to trick people right you look different it's not real there's a there's something unscripted coming up deception is like the pitcher who throws three or four really good pitches all from the same exact arm slot all from the same exact mechanics and you don't have any clue what's coming like that's deception and their offense is based off deception we run the ball we set up our play action we we make it we we have a look that's completely and totally married to what we just did You jump, you bite. It's like a rat going after cheese, and now we got you. But they just can't line up and say, hey, we're going to throw it eight times in a row here.
1: And I just don't think they have a receiver that threatens people that way. You mentioned the Rams. At the beginning of the season, this looked like, wow, what a marquee matchup. Uh, CBS, normally an AFC network, gets an NFC matchup. Rams at Buccaneers. Uh Instead... You got uh, 3 and 5 versus uh what 3 or 3 and 4 versus uh, uh 3 and 5. We we just chronicled the the Rams' issues. Tom Brady, it has been and and no matter how you may feel about Tom Brady and I know there's plenty of Tom Brady hate out there, you can't re- I hope you don't revel in a guy going through a divorce and a family being kind of being pulled apart all on a very very public stage but now that it's out there and and now that it's happening and and now that there's a certain finality to what's going on in his personal life will it make him a better player the rest of the season and will it make the buccaneers a better football team yeah i don't like i don't i don't know
0: um yeah that is that it's incredibly tough and i don't know where he's at and where they're at you know and and frankly you know i my heart goes out to him cuz I hate to have that play out publicly, you know, and all the things that 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 are going on. Um, some guys use a football field as a refuge to get away from issues, you know, and some guys take it with them, and you know, and you're not. To me, I mean, it like I would take that with me. It would be really hard for me. It'd be really. It sure hard. seems like
1: he's taking it with him.
0: Yeah, this I, year. I just think it would be really hard, you know. I think it would be incredibly upsetting disappointing you know you feel like you're letting people down your kids this you know everything i i, I just have, like i i'm heartbroken for them as a family I really am and I totally understand how hard that would be and or I don't but you know I empathize i guess or sympathize um on how hard that would be and here's the thing man that is that has to me that sent shockwaves through that whole locker room Because they're not performing on the offensive side of the ball. They're not putting up points. They're not sustaining drives. And this unbelievably good defense with not good players, but great players that have have played some of the most disciplined, aggressive football. And this just goes to show you the complementary nature of football. That offense is not performing. Guess what happened? Defense is not performing. Mm -hmm. Like they're taking the brunt of it. They're on the field too much. Now all of a sudden you're trying to do things that are unsound you're trying to make a play for your team see if we can get a defensive score and they've fallen apart. And so you know the cure for the defense will be this offense. The cure to, to their defensive woes will be this offense performing. If this offense performs I promise you that defense will start to pick it up and perform. But it is that that yin and yang, if you will. It is that, that complementary nature of football. And you're seeing the entire team fall apart because of Tom Brady's issues.
1: Who wins that division? The division that nobody seems to want. I mean, literally, the Carolina Panthers right. were uh, a chippy field goal away. Right, From being in first place or in that division, an extra point away right. if if
0: DJ Moore doesn't take off his helmet Correct. and celebrate, you Correct. know, so, so to come get a taste of himself. Right, right. So, right. Uh, yeah, I like Atlanta, Atlanta, and and I love I love their head coach and. I just, I love the, the thought process behind it and the grind it out process behind it and the way they're going to run the ball and the way they're going to take people on and this, that, and the other. Still, though, there they're lacks a certain dynamic nature. They're built like San Francisco. Everything has got to be lined up. And I love Dean Pease, their D coordinator, right? So I love, I love that guy as well because, you know, he's old school, but he's always going to have a plan devised and they're going to play that plan pretty well. Um, and, you know, they're going to, you know, that Vic Fangio style that's sweeping the league. You're going to have to throw it in front of us. We're going to rally up and tackle, and we'll give you a ton of yards between the 20s. But, you know, if we if we stop you in the red zone five times, you still only have a potential of scoring 15 points. And we will win a lot of football games based on that way. I, I still think, I I still have this gut that Tom Brady and that offense start to click, and they go on a run here. And win this thing. I'd agree with you. Yeah, but anyhow, never, a, never a dull moment. That's for sure. Never a dull moment as we uh, head into the holiday
1: season in the NFL.
0: That's right. All right, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth podcast, for my partner Mike Evans, I am Mark Schlereth from Millennial Bin. We thank you guys for listening. I want to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers. That's gonna do it for us. Until next week, you guys have a blessed weekend and enjoy the football.